welcome to the Her Sports Story podcast. Former athletes, if that's you out there, you have found the right place. In this podcast, we interview phenomenal former female athletes on their journeys out of sport and into the next chapters of their lives, chasing their dreams while always still embodying the athlete mindset. Because I think once we're an athlete, we're always an athlete. I'm your host, Bethany Crouch, former competitive and collegiate gymnast of 15 years turned athlete advocate professional, and I'm so happy you're here. Please engage with this community on Instagram at HerSportsStory, and enjoy the show. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. Today on the podcast, we have Kennedy Haney. Kennedy is a former collegiate softball athlete turned registered dietitian nutritionist. She has an incredible story and we talk a lot about her journey through college and we talk about disordered eating and body image and how these experiences eventually led her to her why and everything she does now. She absolutely loves working with athletes in performance nutrition, and you can just hear it in her voice that this, that this is what she's meant to do. She's overall phenomenal human being, um, and I'm so excited for you to listen in. And I just want to update you as well. In the show, she does say her Instagram, her former Instagram name, but she has a new Instagram name and it's at the dot dugout dot dietitian. So listen in and I hope you enjoy. Kennedy, welcome. So, or wow. So we just talked about not like, I might keep this in here. <laughs> I just told her, I said, we don't really like edit anything. Um, it's just total natural conversation. And, you know, and then here I go. So I'll keep this in here for true authenticity. Well, let me start over. <laughs> Kennedy, thank you so much for being here this morning on the Her Sports Story podcast. I'm so excited to learn about your journey. Uh, We had a chance to connect over the Zoom call earlier this week, the first uh, kind of like Her Sports Story Zoom call that I I hosted. Just wanted to bring people together during this really interesting time. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I'm, and being a part of that Zoom call was amazing. I mean, so many so many good connections. And I feel like, you know, we're all going to be psychic and benefit from that conversation. So, yeah, I know. It was so great to connect with other former athletes or those doing work around helping athletes in a variety of, like, niches and aspects. Yeah, uh, so it was really cool. And what was almost the only person that I had really like connected with on that call was was classy. Everyone else was brand new. Like I'd never spoke to them in per well person. Right. Virtually voice to voice, I guess. Um, so uh, yeah, that was so amazing. But I just I'm so happy that you're here, that we're connected. 
and that you get to share your story because I know there's a lot of valuable insight that you have and what you navigated. So just to get right at it, let's just, let's hear about your sports story a little bit. Yeah. So I'm from the great state of Minnesota. Um, I'm from very rural, I shouldn't say very rural, but pretty rural central Minnesota. Um, I grew up in a town of about 2,300 people and I could say probably a quarter of them are my cousins. So (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) Very small. Um, But I grew up playing softball. So I started, you know, and in the town that I'm from, you start and you kind of play sandlot baseball. So you start at six or seven years old, you play sandlot baseball. And then you get to nine or 10 and you actually start playing softball. So I actually played baseball for like my uncle was a coach and I played with a couple of my cousins and super fun. But then, you know, transitioned to fast pitch softball where I played until I was 18 and then I transitioned into college ball. So I played for a small Catholic, um, all women's division three school just for one year. And we'll kind of get more into that as this podcast rolls through, but Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my story. I represented Minnesota on a variety of different teams. So like a junior Olympic level, I went to the border battle that was like the best of the best at the Minnesota State Tournament that was plucked out of there and put onto a team to kind of represent the state and wow. opportunities that came from it. So, Wow. And so it, like when we, I think when we have the opportunity to look back on kind of our younger days in sport, there's always for the most part, what I found, there's like this, this joy that comes through, like as we reminisce about, you know, the Sandlot days, or when, when the sport was truly just like, this is really fun, and I get to hang out with my friends, right, and then it, of course, evolves and grows, and then soon as you know it, you are selected to represent your state, and it's just, it's a wild journey, and as a kid, I don't think you really realize it, but then when you get to the other side, you're like, wow, like it started off in this such, such a fun, like hearted, you know, and for the most part, like there's, there's glimmers of that throughout our journey, but there's a, there's a time where it's like, it gets a little competitive and you were, you were doing big things. So that's, a, that's a really, I painted a beautiful picture <laughs> for me at least. <laughs> Okay, so we went to Division Three yep. school, played for one year, or were you there for one year, and then um, well, I actually stayed away? in school for my four years of okay. college, um, but I just played one year, and obviously, you know, going more into the story of why I only played one year, and you guys are going to be, um, and the listeners, of course, are going to be some of the first people who actually hear um, the truth behind why I decided to only play one year. So um, prior to this, I would tell people that, you know, my, I was pre-med my first year, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I was taking, you know, chemistry and biology and trying to work out and do practice and team study and, you know, X, Y, Z. So I said that it just got to be too much and I couldn't do it. Well, then I changed my major to dietetics, which we'll talk about as well, but, you know, I'm taking the same course load. But during my transition period, um, I, my eating disorder had gotten so bad my freshman year of college that, um, I had actually lost 26 pounds within three months. Wow. So, and I'm 5'10". So, you know, the weight that I started at and the weight that I got to was just very unsafe and I couldn't, 
I couldn't go another season and know what my performance would look like when I had emaciated myself to that point. And, you know, my lifts weren't what I wanted them to be and my weight wasn't improving. And um, I feel like very obvious warning signs to a lot of people if they had paid attention. Mm-hmm. So in my, my mind, you know, it's my first year of college. I'm away from my family and the things that I had known. So I didn't want anybody to know. So I just removed myself from the situation so I could continue with those habits, unfortunately. So that's where my season ended, but yeah. Interesting. So with, do you think, you know, this, did this start when you got to college or were, were there some like underlying uh, maybe kind of beliefs and practices, like even through high school that you, you look back and you're like, oh, that, that could have been a sign had I, had I known. Um, and of course, during that time, like you're a, an adolescent to like a teenager to a young adult. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard to manage and to know what to do. And something, you know, like an eating disorder, it's, it's not just wrapped up in, you know, food or habits. It's wrapped up emotionally and self-confidence and, so did you, was there earlier warning signs for you? So um, it actually started when I was 13. So when I was 13, I lost my grandpa and he was 63 mm-hmm. years old. And um, like my first father, like I just mm-hmm. adored him. the way that my town and my family talks about him still. is just like, he was amazing. So 13 was when I, and looking back now, I mean, at 13, even 18, I probably couldn't have looked back and seen this. Right. Um, But I can look back now and say that's definitely the trigger that started it. And then I would say I was very cyclic with it. So um, I made varsity for my high school team when I was a freshman, Um, played four years there. And I think that for the most part, I would cycle around softball season. And then my junior and senior year, when I kind of started representing Minnesota on a bigger level, I got better. Um, but still, you can still kind of see those hidden habits that are, you know, occurring behind closed doors. So definitely 13 through 19, 20 years old, for sure. Wow. So then when you had to say goodbye to your sport, or you made that decision, how was that? Because I'm, I can imagine it's not, not the terms that you wanted to leave on, right? I mean, I th- and I think this is such a good topic to talk, to talk about because a lot of athletes don't leave on the terms that they want to um, for a variety of reasons. So chat a little bit about leaving, kn- knowing that you're leaving probably for a reason that, you know, you, you didn't necessarily anticipate when you were like back in high school, you know? Right. Yeah. And like, even my senior year, I was still on the fence. Was I going to play division three? Was I going to walk on in my hometown state division one? And um, looking back, I'm glad I didn't make that decision. I had a couple out of state, smaller division one school offers. My parents said, nope, you can't do that. You got to stay home for your first year. So I think a lot, I shouldn't say, I think, I know that my parents had seen science and I think that was their way of, of confronting it per se. Um, they weren't real action takers with this because I think they were in denial, which I think my mom took it as her fault for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I stopped 
my college season, I think it opened more doors to more disordered eating and more disordered habits. Um, and I'm very lucky that I lived off campus with actually my like childhood best friend. We've known each other since we were three years old. She's like my sister. So she was there through, you know, the start of it, the finish of it, everything. So she would call me out on a lot of things and I could deny it for, you know, for a long time. But then I was waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym and then I would come home and sleep before my 8 a.m. or I would skip my 8 a.m. because I was too tired and mm -hmm. um, we didn't eat on campus. So we made stuff from home and if our schedules didn't line up, then nobody saw what I was doing. Yeah. So, you know, I think it definitely opened more doors for disordered eating for sure. Um, and then when I was 19, I met or what I guess a little bit before I was 19, I met my boyfriend and he was the person who, you know, kind of opened my eyes that this is affecting more people than just yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's almost a seven year journey for me. So he was the first person who had really made me think like, I'm hurting others in this process, not just myself. And, you know, that was kind of my godsend. Wow. So. wow. Gosh, that's, I mean, to to get to a point where, because I, it's not anyone's intention, it's not your intention to, to, that through that process you would hurt others, right? Or like be impacting others. But it's really interesting that when you do get to that point and you, or someone does point it out to you and you're like, oh my goodness, I, you know, it, there's, I imagine um, for a lot when that is happening, that you have a little bit of a light bulb moment. Uh, so from there, would you call that like one of your moments where? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, yeah. I had never noticed. I mean, I shouldn't say I had never noticed. I had never paid attention to the fact that, you know, when you restrict yourself for so long, you're on a high high, and then you're on a low low because your hormone levels are just so crazy and right. you know, this, you know, the, a constant mood, or you need to sleep so much. So. Yeah, I was, I can't imagine I was a very fun person to hang out with those years. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, first off, thank you. Thank you for sharing um, this part of your story. Because as you and I kind of chatted before, there's, there's so many parts of stories that aren't always shared, yet there can be the most useful and the most impactful for, for those listening that might be experiencing the same thing. So thank you for trusting the Her Sports Story community with this. I know they will be all of the support um, and then be able to, you know, kind of share in everything that you're, you're now doing. So from that point, when your boyfriend kind of let you know, would you say from there you started to like gradually get better, do various things to help with the disordered eating? Yeah, and I kind of chose to do it on my own, but I think um, I think one of the best parts of the timing of him opening my eyes is that's when I was transitioning into becoming a dietetics major and in school and studying <clears throat> everything nutrition related. So it was opening my eyes to the, what I was internally doing to my body. Wow, yeah. So I think it was just like, fate happened and because it was a really I wouldn't say easy but it was easier than I had anticipated to start that transition of being better and doing better but it's still I mean you're always going to have those moments it's always in your head um mm -hmm. I think 
body dysmorphia is something that sticks with you, not forever, but it alters and it comes in waves. So, you know, the way you see yourself now and looking back at those pictures is definitely something that's triggering, but I know mentally that I can look and be triggered and Mm -hmm. not act on it. I feel definitely mentally strong enough to know that, you know, I can't do that to my body again. Amazing. So going through dietetics schooling, basically, from there, I mean, today you, you obviously have an opportunity to help current athletes um, kind of master their, you know, nutrition or, you know, from your experience, anything from like body image and, and whatnot. So when you graduated, how did that process look like you you're done with college um what what did that journey look after as far as leading you to what you do now yeah so dietetics is very very competitive so you get your four years of undergrad and then in your final year you apply to an internship and it's not like you go to a hospital and you do your hours or per se so you actually apply on a server and everybody who's a senior or who is looking to apply to the internship that year Um, applies you rank your positions they rank you back and then eventually hopefully you match so it's got about a 46 percent match rate which I think has gone up a little bit so very competitive but you go you match to your internship and you do 1200 hours of supervised practice so you do it in a variety of different things clinical food service um, community which could be a hospital or a WIC or um, you know anything like that and then you have an elective so I chose to do my elective with the Minnesota Twins, which was amazing. Um, (laughs) Yes. And their dietitian is just, she is my idol. She is the most amazing woman I've ever met in my entire life. And I won't share her story for her, but um, if you ever get a chance to look Raza Troop up, she is an incredible individual. So she was actually in the Beijing Olympics in 2008. Um, Just an incredible woman. And she has a private practice on the side too, where she works with, other athletes or athletes with disordered eating, the general public, etc. So she really helped me to hone in on some of those skills working with disordered eating and eating disorders because she did have the training coming from um, working with the Emily program, which is one of you know the best programs in the Midwest. We held a couple up here in Minnesota. So pretty cool. But yeah, that kind of that transition piece was like the light bulb moment for me too. So mm-hmm. I had a psychology minor as well in oh, nice. College, yeah, and my emphasis was the psychology of eating because for four years I had worked and I said, you know what, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna help people with eating disorders. This is my journey, this is what I'm gonna do. And then um, when it came time to apply to internships, I was like, do I apply for the one in Minnesota with the Emily program that trains you specifically on eating disorders, or do I apply to this different kind of internship we call the distance internship? where I know I'm going to have the opportunity to work with athletes. And I had no idea that this was going to open a door for me to work with disordered eating too. Um, so I said, you know, all these signs are falling into my lap. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to take the jump. I'm going to take the one that I'm not comfortable with. So I took the distant learning one where I ended up with the twins. And then, you know, this door just kept opening and she kept wow. more. So I got eating disorders and athletes, which is amazing. Oh, so cool. So when did you, I would say, end that experience with the twins? Yeah. So the twins, I ended that experience at the end of the season this year. So what is that? October, November. Wow. Um, So I was very, very lucky to be able to do that. 
Um, but yeah, definitely something I miss. It was incredible. I wish I could do it a million times over. Oh, so cool. So my, my husband, former baseball player, got his doctorate in physical therapy. One of his rotations was with the Giants uh, at their spring training facility in, in Arizona or in Scottsdale kind of area. So, but the way, like the way that I see and hear baseball players and softball players, like talk about like when they get to experience that, it's just like another, it's another level because as a kid, you were just like, this is the, right? Uh, So, so cool. So I can kind of, you know, imagine how how exciting that was for you what an amazing opportunity and to have a female mentor in this space that was there she's just a powerhouse of a woman and and so she was the previous dietitian for the minnesota vikings as well and um just comes in with a wealth of knowledge And, and when she talks everybody listens like just this powerhouse of a woman and one time i remember she had said something and I'm sure she was just so unaware that, you know, this was something that would stick with me forever. But we were talking about jobs and she said, whenever you get one and you want to leave you and, and they're going to hold you and they're going to say, we're going to offer you more money or we'll extend your contract or whatever. And if you're not happy there, you look at them and say, you need me. I don't need you. And that was just, boom. (laughs) (laughs) just incredible. So, I just adore her. That's so amazing. I mean, I think those mentors make such an impact on us. And sometimes I wonder if, and I don't think they always realize like that mentors will like say something. You're like, that is gold and that'll be with me forever, which is so, so, so cool. And I imagine, you know, as you go through your career and I, Probably, this probably already exists that you are a mentor to so many, um, especially helping them through a very, you know, personal experience, a personal struggle when it comes to at least disordered eating and walking, walking that journey. So right, right now, I believe you, you have the opportunity to work with some softball, maybe some baseball um, athletes chat a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah. So I work with a variety of athletes, not just softball and baseball, but obviously oh, yeah. my niche, that's like what I love and what yeah. I know. Um, so I actually work with a variety of different high schools around the state of Minnesota. And, um, you know, we've got wrestling, softball, baseball, hockey, all sorts of different stuff. So I do a lot of group education where I go in there and I talk to the whole entire team. And then we break it down into position groups. We talk positions. Um, and then we do one-on-one nutrition too. So that means that I sit down with these kids because I'm a firm believer in individualized nutrition. So you can have two pitchers from the same team and neither of them will have similar needs. So right. um, I just like to make sure that everybody feels that they are an individual and that they personally are benefiting from my services and what I'm doing with them. So I like the one-on-one a little bit better than anything else, but group education definitely has a place in my heart too, just because it's so fun when these kids get this aha moment that performance nutrition doesn't have to be hard. I sat down with a high school baseball or a high school basketball player who was six, five, gosh, how much did he weigh? Like 140. And one of his goals was to put on some muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And I said, the 
is what we're going to do. We're going to increase your protein just a little bit, but we're going to up your carbs. And I said, I want you having a snack by, you know, halftime or whatever that may be. Um, that could be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It could be a couple of granola bars, fruit snacks, whatever. And he's like, what? I can have fruit snacks and granola bars. And even his mom called me afterwards and she's like, he came home and was just astonished. So, you know, I think that these kids think that, you know, we're going to pump you full of Gatorade and all these, you know, protein powders, but I am a firm believer in the whole foods approach. And I'd much rather have you do whole foods than, you know, a supplement or a shake or whatever that may be. So. Right. I know it's such an interesting, cause I, especially as a, again, like as a, as a teenager, Mm -hmm. to have, and I reflect back on my own experience as a gymnast that I, I honestly, for the most part, ate just about anything I wanted um, because I was practicing five hours a day, almost six days a week. So like my, I would hear my mom, like, I still hear her. She'll be like, she would say, you need more protein. You need this. I'm like, okay, mom, like, you know, but she, she saw that how much I was training and that I was tired all the time. And that's because I wasn't properly, um, fueling myself. And I think I, I look at it I'm like, was I the worst? No, not by any means. My mom was pretty like, okay, you're not going to have starburst before practice because that is not going to help you (laughs) you know but I I would honestly say that I didn't really take control of my eating till about sophomore year or junior year of college that you know that you make the decisions like okay I'll have brown rice you know the the broccoli the chicken, you know, so it's just, it's really impressive to me, you know, when someone like yourself is going into high schools and then teaching on this and these individuals are getting the opportunity to, to kind of dial this puzzle piece in, you know, before, um, you know, maybe they get recruited or go to college. So that's right. And that's what I tell them when I go in there. I say, you guys don't know what an advantage this is for you guys. And you might think I'm going to sit here and talk about protein, carbs, and fats, but you don't understand that, Mm -hmm. you know, these things together appropriately, we can, you know, decrease you the time you need to recover and decrease your muscle soreness. We'll make you faster, stronger, you know, just better as a whole. And there's not many high schoolers who have access to this, nor, you know, the ability to work with somebody who has experience in it, because it is a specific niche. And it's something that you obviously have to go into with some experience. Right. Um, but I just tell them, you know, this, could, it's not going to be what gets you from high school level to division one, but it can get you from division two to division one or division three to division two, you know, it's mm-hmm. enough to tip the scale and make you that much better. Mm, yeah, completely. So I would love to hear like your, obviously you've You've had some experience working with these high school athletes and one-on-ones. What is, what's kind of your big vision for you in this space? Yeah. So, I mean, I, my big vision truthfully is just to impact as many athletes, whether they be high school, um, division three through division one, although division one does have their own dietitians that they work with, but just to be a resource to as many athletes as I can and impact them as best as I can. So I would love to see 
um, you know, these athletes go from somebody who is on the bench, but practices hard and prioritizes their nutrition and they go to a starter or whatever that may be. So when I work with these athletes individually and when I go on to teams too, I say, please share your schedule with me because I love to come watch you guys because Feeling to me to see, you know, where these boys and girls have started to where they can finish the season. And it's awesome because we get to do some anthropometric data and, you know, take um, muscle mass and fat mass and do agility testing and verticals and, you know, speed, all sorts of things. So just to see the numbers on paper. And I think the faces that these kids make when they're like, I've done that, I did this. And I'm like, yes, you did this. Like, there's nothing that's better than that. Oh. So cool. Well, you are truly a leader in this, in this space. And I'm so excited that we connected and that her sports story community, like now gets to connect with you. So if anyone does want to connect with you, because obviously our community, it's former athletes uh, for the most part, but there's a lot of former athletes that work with current athletes. So Please share where they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So on Instagram, obviously my Instagram handle is vitamin K Haney. So Haney is H-A-N-E-Y. And then my website is elevateperformancenutrition.org. And I do work with, you know, the transition between those awesome. athletes, regular civilians too. So awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, it's such just for athletes in almost every part of their journey, you know, in the middle, towards the end, and after, like, well, because eating is a part of life, right? So we, I think we always, and especially when we retire from sport, and we start, or at least for me, I started to unpack all of these beliefs of, you know, oh, I can't have this, or, you know, it was just really interesting, and not, almost that I didn't even realize it before, like at all, not until I stopped. And I was like, well, why am I restricting myself of that? Like, mm-hmm. I always tell my story about the, um, about Starbucks Frappuccinos, like after one competition of uh, all the girls, you know, we just finished our meet and we were, you know, you're exhausted and you're in that delirious, yeah, you know, funny state, hang out with your teammates. And we're all in line for like the Starbucks at the hotel we just got done competing at. And one of our coaches looks over and he's like, what are you guys doing? Or what are you ordering? And some of us are like, oh, frappuccino this. You know, it's when Starbucks kind of like was the it thing. And um, he was like, well, those are a bunch of empty calories for you. You know, basically saying that was like useless and whatnot, which yes, you know, in some aspects, of course, but after that, I never had, I, I don't think I've had a Frappuccino since because I used to look at the menu and just like block out like, Oh, we don't eat or we don't drink Frappuccinos. Um, and then I would go and it's just so funny that even to this day, I haven't ordered it. And I would say that happened around like 13 years old or something. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I've had other things that are just as equivalent as a frappuccino, like a milkshake or whatnot, but um, it's pretty funny when you start unpacking it. So I know that you are such a resource for the current athlete, the former athlete, and then any, you know, 
current coach or leader in the athletic space that is just looking for more information and help with their teams. So thank you so, so much. And I usually wrap up with one question, and that is if you were, you know, in front of 50 to 100 athletes that had just like left their sport, they're fresh out into retirement or fresh into retirement. And they are just sitting there like, can someone please give me some type of hope or advice? What would you say to them? Yeah, I would say so many different things, but looking back, I wish somebody had said, you have no idea what is waiting for you. Because I look back and I think, you know, my world revolved around softball and I loved it so much. And when basically I took it away from myself, I was like, what, what do I have now? And comparing, yes, I still love softball so much, but comparing that to how much I love what I do and how many more lives I impact being a professional in this realm, it's incomparable. So definitely Mm -hmm. you have no idea what's out there waiting for you. So good. I love that answer. Just like gives them that, gives them that hope. Like you're going to do just so much more. Right. And we all know that athletes are incredibly motivated individuals. So I can't say that one of my girlfriends who played ball with me is doing big things. So yeah, I'm so proud of everybody that I've played with and everybody I know, because they're all amazing individuals. So good. Well, thank you so much, Kennedy, for coming on the show. We learned so much. I'm so happy you shared your story and everything that you're doing now. Um, And your contact info will be in the show notes so that the community can reach out and connect with you. Um, Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. 